We are very privileged to have with us Mark Lewis, who is the director of EFCA Reach Global Crisis Response. EFCA, that's our family of churches, the Evangelical Free Church of America. Reach Global is the missions arm of our fellowship, uh, and crisis response is specifically within that uh, ministry doing work both in the United States and around the world, and I'll let Mark tell you more about that ministry and his place in that. But it really is an interesting story. Oh my God, somebody's reminding me. It is Kingdom Kids time. So before we have our guest speaker come, we'll have, we have children that are meeting in the back, Kingdom Kids ages four to nine. And if it's time for you to go, you can meet them there and they'll take you across to the CE Center. Um, where was I? I'm a little out of routine. So uh, we've got the kids going. We're here. We're going to listen to Mark Lewis. Mark Lewis, uh, before he comes, we'll remind you of our special offering and the plans that we have for that. So, uh, of course, we were receiving the offering this morning through the, the offering box that is in the uh, foyer. You know, your regular giving week by week goes to the sus uh, sustaining of our ministry here and the support of our missionaries around the world. The special offering, and that does need to be marked if you're writing a check or putting it in an envelope, to mark uh, missions festival, missions, something along that line, uh, received today or tonight. We'll accept uh, gifts tonight. Even if there's, um, not, not that we encourage this, but sometimes we'll have people say, well, I, I don't have this yet, but I, I will have this in the next month. This offering will be open uh, through the end of the year, the calendar year, if you uh, anticipate being able to give a little bit later. But that the special offering, our missions festival offering, is going to be uh, going in large part to the work of crisis response. Now, it's going to be going in a couple of different places. Uh, They're both the work in uh, with Ukrainian refugees uh, that is in the surrounding area. Um, so reach global missionaries and partners in places like Hungary and Poland, serving displaced peoples from the Ukrainian uh, conflict and helping them, uh, bringing gospel ministry to them and also to Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian. That's what we, we've called our, our outside project. We also have an inside project that part of the offering will be uh, going to, and that's uh, renovating our elevator uh, area back here. So access, improving access, including the sidewalk, the, the door opening, the awning, uh, for those who uh, need to use the elevator to, to make it into worship. We want to uh, uh, restore that and get that in, in good working order. We're also making a, a, a small portion of the offering is going to be uh, a gift in the name of Jesus to an organization in our community. This year, it is um, our Mount Morris Fire Department that is raising funds to build a new building. And so when we do that, um, we see that as, as a way to, to, to help uh, give not just our church, but to give Jesus a better reputation in our town to say, hey, we're, we're part of this community too. We want to bless those who serve here and uh, we're doing that in, uh, with, uh, in, under not just our individuals' uh, names, but the name of this church making that significant gift. So that's, uh, to, again, to be a part of that, um, you want to mark your gift for that way as you leave today. Tonight, uh, be an opportunity to give as well, and that's uh, traditionally at the end of the service, we announce what has, uh, God has brought in through that offering. So we've, we've not set a goal this year. We've just said, you know, this is what it's for and leaving that to uh, whatever God does uh, through you and however you feel led to do that. But this morning, so grateful for Mark, and I'm not sure if you quite caught the story this morning. Some of you, of course, weren't in that first session, but 
Hurricane Katrina in uh, New Orleans and that area um, now more than 15 years ago uh, was really significant. Not only because you probably know our church sent multiple teams down uh, to help that, that work, but that was when Mark came into the work as well, and really not just Mark to the ministry, but the ministry itself of crisis response within the EFCA was was birthed. So this is that that was uh, quite a convergence, um, and and God is still uh, doing good things and bringing fruit from from the that instrumental time and in the the, the ongoing crises that are always uh, happening around our world. So Mark, please do come and uh, open to God's word to us, and uh, we trust him for the challenge that, he, that he's put upon your heart. So, Thanks, Bruce. Thank well, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Let's see, I think you go, yeah, get my family up there. Um, it's, uh, the, the last time I was here, I was here with my family. I don't I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember they were like, you know, this big and, uh, and it was probably, I don't know, more than 15 years ago. So um, it was uh, a real pleasure this morning to, to have a, a number of folks that, have, that were down in Louisiana one time or another serving coming up and, and uh, just some remembrances and some um, reminiscing of, of um, just great things that the Lord did, and, and uh, as I said in the earlier time this morning, your role was so significant um, in, in our lives, just the presence. Uh, you know, there were a few churches that came very quickly after Katrina and came back, and what an ins- it was just encouragement to us as a, as a younger family. We had made a transition. We were trying to um, like, is this what God has for us? And just the fellowship, the connection, the, the relationship that we had with a number. There's just a few churches that came early on with regularity. And um, it, was just, it was encouraging. And, and the invitation 15 years ago or more to come and, and um, be with you. So it's great to be back. Just suffice to say that. Go to the, let me just tell you my, oh, sorry, can you go back one? I'm, let me just tell you my family quickly. Uh, my wife, Denise, uh, she sends her greetings. She's, um, uh, uh, we live in New Orleans, Louisiana, so she's got some local work responsibilities and things there this weekend, so she couldn't travel with me. Um, the kids grew up, I don't know, 15 years. It feels like it was like a week and a half for me, but they, we kept feeding them, and they kept growing, so I don't know. Uh, my oldest daughter, Emily's in the forefront. She's um, the the uh, with Reach Global as well, she serves as the uh, communications director for Global Fingerprints, the child sponsorship program. My other daughter, Kara and Caleb, they're in university in uh, Minneapolis. So, um, next slide. It was the devastating events of Hurricane Katrina that did move our family to southern Louisiana, where we heard the uh, call to to uh, to ministry. Um, and also to start a new ministry called Reach Global Crisis Response. And in short, um, the ministry is one of disciple-making and church planting in the wake of crisis. Uh, that's why we stay involved in long-term outreach 
years after an event faded from the news or from most people's memories. Get next. We define crisis as any event that disrupts the normalcy of life and deeply impacts people. Crisis can be cataclysmic, affecting millions like a Katrina, a war in Ukraine, or a hurricane in Florida. Or they can be cataclysmic, affecting a few, like a diagnosis, abuse, death of a loved one, loss of a job, a broken relationship. Crisis brings with it pain and hurt and fear and anger, loss of hope, despair, helplessness, and an open door for the gospel. As we experience pain, we are confronted by difficult, sometimes seemingly unanswerable questions. Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why God? Is there a God? Next slide. And, and this is why we believe that there is a mission field in the wake of crisis. Crisis creates a need for understanding, sense-making, and frequently this openness, even a hunger for relational accompaniment. Amid the uncertainties of life, there is the certainty of the redemptive power of Christ and the certainty of the hope that comes from knowing Him. In the aftermath of natural disasters, war, famine, other challenging events, our team comes alongside local churches to help the members themselves recover while concurrently extending gospel ministry into their community. And though we may help with physical needs, we're always, always investing in relationships, helping people process the resulting trauma and emotional stress from the crisis. Next. What's the most tragic, difficult thing that you've experienced in your life? For me personally, I would have to say one was the day that my son Caleb was lying in an emergency room bed having suffered a traumatic brain injury, unable to move and cognitively unaware. He's since recovered physically, but he has completely lost his memory of the first 16 years of his life prior to the event. The second was the recent experience of sitting with my mom in hospice as we watched my dad die. From a ministry standpoint, I'd have to say it was the experiences surrounding the 2010 Haiti earthquake 
We were there just days afterwards helping with care for the dying and, and those who would survive. Difficult life experiences to be a participant in, a, a spectator of. Whether it's a diagnosis, death, disease, divorce, fire, famine, flood, or war, where is God amidst brokenness and trauma? In my decades of ministry and personal life experience, engaging people to help them process the trauma, process their experience and, and questions that are burdening them is essential. Turn with me today to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 7. It's the story of the widow of Nain. In the story, Jesus models for us what we call a ministry of presence. The ministry of presence looks like this. Go. Be willing and available to go where there are people in need. Engage. Relate, listen, and learn to build understanding. Invest in relationships. Get involved. Act as led by the Holy Spirit. Bring glory to God. Love others and make His name known. Go, engage, get involved, and bring glory to God. Let's look at the passage. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the call, the invitation to join you in ministry and mission. To walk with you amongst your people to be your light, your hope, your ambassadors. Lord, and thank you for you equipping and sending us. Lord, we we don't go alone. We go with you, you in us, the Holy Spirit going before us. 
So thank you, Jesus, for the invitation to be part of your kingdom ministry here, here in Mount Morris and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray that you would use this story to to help us to gain deeper insights into our own experiences of life and to those experiences of others. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to move and act according to your will to bring hope and healing and peace to those hurting around us. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. Verse 11 starts with the phrase, soon afterwards, which leads us to ask the question, soon after what? We see in the preceding verses of chapter 7 that Jesus was approached by a centurion with a sick servant. And in the passage, we learn that because of the centurion's faith, his belief in who Jesus was, that Jesus healed the man's servant. A key, though, is that the servant was healed without Jesus having even been present with the servant. Continuing in the verse, we see three things. People, a place, and an action. People, Jesus, the disciples, the crowds. It's interesting, Jesus rarely did anything alone in ministry. He almost always had a portion of his disciples or sometimes other followers with him. Sometimes there was a large crowd, as in this case. A very simple discipleship tool Do ministry intentionally with others. This was pretty early in Jesus' ministry, and he had just called the disciples. He had shared some radically new ideas in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Beatitudes, and those ideas and his, uh, his actions had attracted some to be followers of his, but it had made others curious to kind of tag along and check out, what what is this all about? And actually, so it can be with our actions and ideas, uh, attracting some, making others curious to watch and listen to us more. There's a place, Nain. Nain's not a significant place. It's, it's actually not explained why Jesus was heading there. It, Nain is a, a typical town in the region with typical people. But Jesus lived with purpose, and he did go to where there were people in need. We might infer, in fact, that he, he knew he was needed in Nain, and so that's why he went to that place. But so he went. He, may, he very well may want us to go to some place that's far away and difficult. But honestly, more likely, he has us where we are presently 
so that he might use us right here where we live, typical places with typical people. The action was simply going. Jesus went to Nain. His going was not random travel, though. But clearly we see intentional ministry purpose woven all through his, his, uh, his comings and goings, all, all through the gospel and the, and the living of his life. There, there was intentionality, there was purpose, there was, there was mission, there were life lessons to be learned along the way. I believe he asks us to go with the same missional purpose as well to the people that he's placed around us to the places that he sets before us. We are to go to engage with people as a part of our obedience to Christ's command to make disciples. That command applies to each one of us, actually, daily. And making disciples happens most directly through the way that we live our lives and conduct ourselves amongst the people that God has placed around us as we're going. Next slide. But we face questions that impact our obedience to go and engage with the people that God has placed around us. One question is, are we willing? We can choose to obey or not. Willing means that we are ready, eager, prepared. Ready implies that we understand our purpose and our role in intentional disciple-making, in anticipation of opportunity that God might bring before us. Eager speaks to our desire to obey. Prepared implies equipping and advanced thoughtfulness. A second question that we face is, are we available? We either have capacity to engage others, or we don't. Being available speaks to us being open and accessible. Do we have time to engage others? Are we relationally and emotionally available with capacity to be present Going with missional purpose requires both of these things, both being willing and available. Look at the graphic here on the, on the screen and assess where, where might we be presently in living with missional purpose, focused on engaging others with the gospel in the person of Jesus. What factors have us more often in, in one box versus another? Is our heart open towards God? Are we seeking Him and listening for His guidance and His direction? To what extent are we growing in His knowledge, his, growing in our understanding of His Word and, and applying it to our lives? Are we submitted or stubborn, or selfish? Is our heart open towards people? 
To what extent do we think and care about others before ourselves? What, what does our calendar and our checkbook tell us about our priorities? What might we be able to change in us this week towards being more willing and more available to others? Next. Now, having taken the first step of going, it seems to me that from this point in the story, Jesus is really demonstrating for us a practical example of how to engage in what we call on our team this ministry of presence. It's simply being with people, especially those facing difficult circumstances. Verse 12 says, Then from the town gate, comes the funeral procession. Here we have one crowd approaching another crowd. By custom, women are in the front of the funeral procession, leading the way with the widow in front of all. There might be hired mourners, people who are shrieking, pounding their breasts, along with musicians accompanying the funeral. That would be custom. The passage notes the procession, but it directs our attention to the widow and then to the crowd. Normally, we pull over and get out of the way and we let the procession pass. Maybe we awkwardly drop off a meal and head home quickly or, or maybe we simply do nothing. But in this moment of difficulty, Jesus engages Next, verse 13 affirms that the Lord saw her, the individual, the person, one among many in these two crowds, the one with her and the one with Jesus. As we're going about our day, do we tend to find it easy to or, or harder to intentionally see and acknowledge individuals and their circumstances. Maybe our busyness or our circumstances or our priorities can make that hard sometimes. Some of us by design are more people-focused and, and we more intuitively read situations. Some of us are more project or task-focused uh, and we find that we may need to work harder uh, in in opening the eyes of our heart. I, I fall into the second category. My, uh, I, I'm a, I, my background is in engineering. I was a project manager. I was focused on, uh, for early part of my career, I was focused on getting the job done. Through my uh, discipleship, through, through gaining an understanding of God's Word and His heart for me as His, as his, uh, as his child, as His son, um, it, it became evident to me that I, I needed to somehow adjust and be able to focus more on people and, and to try to ask God to help me with that, to gain a better balance. And by God's grace, He, he has done that. Um, I, still need to, uh, uh, I still need to be careful when my wife walks into the room that I actually focus in and listen, but... Um, but God's working on me with that as well. 
But we see here that, that Jesus clearly was listening. Because there were, there were many competing sounds that were going on in this scenario, in this, in this moment. There were sounds and voices. He heard the cries of the people in the procession. There was the noise in the crowd that was walking along with him. There were the disciples maybe talking around him. Um, the, the, the noises of, I, I picture the stands maybe along the road approaching the town and, and people in the farm fields. There was lots of distraction, lots of noise, lots of other things that would draw attention away. But he heard the cries of the people in the procession, and I suspect the cries of the widow as well. What's our capacity to hear? It's in, in our ability to listen. They are different. I, I have to experience that with my wife because I, I can hear her saying things to me when she comes into the room, but I have to actually focus and pay attention. I actually have to actively listen to enable me to hear her. How good are we at listening? I mean, really listening to what's going on in the lives of people around us. And as Jesus heard and saw, the verse continues, then his heart went out to her. He felt. He understood Amid all that was going on with the road, among all these distractions, the countryside, her, the circumstances, we must next infer that he moved closer to her because it, it next says he's, he's speaking directly to her. He, he engages her personally saying, don't cry. Those are up close personal, not shallow, meaningless words. These were words brought forth by a compassionate, mercy-filled heart. They were words communicated with meaning and deep feeling. They were caring words. They communicated understanding. They were personal. Her circumstances had real physical implications. The death of her only son would have meant that she would have been an outcast, unable to support herself. But more so, I think, her relational, emotional pain, it must have been so deep. She had already lost her husband. Now her son. The two most important relationships in her life, now she's alone, Isolated, helpless, hopeless. I observed this recently as I sat with my mom watching my dad and felt it directly myself as I was sitting in the emergency room watching my son. I'm sure some of you maybe have experienced similar feelings. Maybe even today you're coming here experiencing similar feelings. Next, verse 14 then shows Jesus moving with compassion to action. He involved himself personally and directly into the situation. It says, 
Then he went up and touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. This was an incredibly radical response. So radical, in fact, that the whole procession stopped. I imagine, <gasps> with a gasp, they, they stopped. And I imagine that the whole scene just went to a dead, quiet silence. Jesus touched the coffin. See, this was huge. In, in this culture, no one touched the coffin. It was set up on poles. Or poles were run through, through, through uh, holes along the side of the coffin, so, so you would carry the poles. Yeah, they, it kept the, the men carrying it, the people carrying it, from having to touch it. This is because touching the coffin would make one ceremonial unclean. Numbers 19.11 said, The one who touches the corpse of any person shall be unclean for seven days. But this act was not about himself. It was about glorifying God. It was about the widow. It was about demonstrating selflessness for the sake of others. It was about modeling a ministry of presence for us. He's answering the question, where is God amid brokenness? Jesus is standing right there, hands on, saying, don't cry. Or maybe he's here with us, here in our circumstances, saying, go ahead and cry. It's but either way, I am right here. I am hands on. His action was no small thing. In order to be clean, the law would require Jesus to be isolated for seven days to travel to Jerusalem, then offer a special sacrifice, a red heifer. A red heifer was something unusual, something rare and costly. So this action that Jesus took was not just inconvenient to him, it, it cost him greatly. Time, money, the scandal, the behind-the-back whispering, can you believe what he just did? For a widow? And the curious thing is that from the prior story in chapter 7, the centurion servant, we know that this wasn't even necessary. Jesus could have stood back a safe distance and still affected the result of raising the dead boy back to life. He wasn't worried about his own comfort, his self-interest, as he compassionately helped this family. And I believe that Jesus did this intentionally to teach those present in us today to do the same thing. Next, this ministry of presence is easy to put into practice. It's what we call active listening or basic trauma care or psychological first aid. It involves engaging people and asking good open-ended questions and listening well and offering prayer. 
Engaging is opening a relational door and creating a safe space for the person. Typically, it involves asking respectful, open-ended questions like, tell me about the past few days. What was, what's been difficult lately? Tell me more about that. Help me understand what this circumstance looks like for you. It's, it's helping people process the facts and the thoughts and the feelings surrounding the circumstance. Listening is a crucial skill. People process by talking, crying, sharing their story, etc. Active listening frequently is difficult for most of us. Listening means we're not talking. We're not thinking of the next thing to say or do. Or It, it means we're actually paying attention. Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of someone else. How would you feel if that just happened to you? Can you imagine? Can you, can you, can you uh, envision that? Can you process that? What would be the, what would be the best way for someone to come and, uh, and approach you at, at such a time? Active listening isn't fixing or solving the other person's problems. It's being supportive with verbal and nonverbal communication, spending time with them in prayer and inviting them into relational activities. Next. And then we must look at the result of the action. Verse 15. The boy was alive. There was a miracle. The mother had her only son back in her arms to love and care for each other. God can do miraculous works of healing and restoration. Led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, He can likewise use us as ministers of His grace. Next, it says, They were all filled with awe. And praise God and the news spread about Jesus. When we allow God to prompt us to go, to enable us to see things in the way that He sees them, to hear what He hears, we allow Him to change our hearts to be more like His. And when we have a heart that's more like God's, we're then much more likely to engage in actions that reflect His heart. This is when God can show us what is good, to love justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with the Lord as he instructs us from Micah 6.8. Led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he can likewise use us. Go, engage, get involved, bring glory to God. Next, as we close, here's three things I'd like you to consider doing this week as application for the message. First, I'd like you to, to, to just go back to that question. When was a moment when you experienced something difficult? Reflect on a time when someone, you or someone close to you has experienced something traumatic. 
deep loss, some suffering, something, something significant and difficult. What happened? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What did you learn about yourself and God from that experience? I'd encourage you to be vulnerable and to invite someone else into a, into a conversation around that. Share about the, the trauma or the loss or the difficulty that you experienced with someone else. It's a gift. It's a gift to give to someone to listen. It's an equal gift that God allows us to be heard. Give a gift to one another. Give a gift to someone else this week. Seek out someone hurting and then focus your time and attention on them. Express God's love and compassion and care by listening and just practicing a ministry of presence. We don't have to solve the problem. Just need to be willing to take a risk, take a, take a chance and ask a question. And then listen. Let the Holy Spirit work. If the door is open, offer a prayer. Let God use us as His agents, as His ambassadors of transformation here in Mount Morris this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the model of ministry that you give us here within this passage. Lord, it's, it's not complicated. Go with you guiding, leading, accompanying. Engage with compassion and care and concern for others. Get involved. See, hear, be with others. Bring glory to God. Simply obedience, love, compassion expressed. God is glorified. His name is known. Hope, healing, restoration comes. Father, thank you for the power of the living God amidst difficult circumstances. In your name we pray. Amen.